Welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is by Pastor Ben White. Pastor Ben has been on staff at Fellowship Baptist Church since 2009 and has served in a variety of ministries over the years. We hope that today's lesson will be a blessing and encouragement to you as you seek to become more like Jesus Christ in your everyday life. So let's take our Bibles and prepare our hearts for the teaching of God's Word. Thank you for that. Let's take our Bibles tonight and open up to the book of 3 John. Book of 3 John. We'll be in the book of 3 John for the remainder of our lessons. And uh, our series that we're going to be working through is called Healthy Leadership versus Toxic Leadership. Healthy Leadership versus Toxic leadership, we're going to be studying through the book of First John, or Third John, excuse me. And uh, during the first part of the book, we will see characteristics of a healthy leader and hopefully how we can apply that to our life. In the second part of the book, we will see characteristics of toxic leadership, unhealthy leadership, bad leadership, I guess you could say. And then I guess not how we can apply that to our life in a good way, but how we can not apply that to our life as far as toxic leadership goes. Um, I'm definitely not going to get through all of the lessons over these next four weeks. I think I got about 10 lessons for this. So we'll do part one. And then next time I teach, we'll do part two and then part three. And um, should be good. Let's read it here. First, uh, third John. I know I'm going to keep saying first John. Third John. Uh, chapter 1, obviously. <laughs> Verse 1. The Bible says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Behold, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day today. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. Lord, I pray that you'll calm my nerves tonight as I prepare to communicate your word. I pray that the words that I say will be of you and that you will show us practical truth tonight from your word and how we can apply it to our lives and become more like you, become more godly, healthy leaders. I pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been walking somewhere? Uh, I think of this especially when I was a kid. Um, and, or maybe you're in the house, or maybe you're here at church, and you're just minding your own business, and you hear somebody say your name. Have you, have you ever had that happen? And then all of a sudden, what do you do? Huh? What's, what's that? I remember being a kid, and when, when, you're, when you would, you could be in the basement, and somehow, if your parents said your name, it was just like, what? What's going on up there? Uh, it's like we have superpowers when it comes to our name being said. And like you could be, we could be over there in a fellowship dinner. The, it could, there, kids running around like Indians. We're all fellowshipping. You're sitting there talking with somebody and then you hear somebody over there say your name. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you're talking about with this person. How engaging the conversation is, you're almost like, uh-huh, yeah, 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 uh-huh. What, what, what are they saying about me? Tonight, I want us to kind of think about that because I want you guys to pay attention tonight. 
And I really hope that tonight, I hope you feel like this, because tonight I am talking to each and every one of you. Uh, each and every one of you, this lesson is for you. Imagine I'm up here and I just said your name. You're like, what? And you're leaning in and I'm about to talk about you guys tonight. This topic of leadership is so important in this day and age. I'm sure all of us can think. I think it's easier for us to think of toxic leaders than healthy leaders. We know we've all probably experienced some toxic leadership in our life. I know every job I've ever worked at in my entire life besides this one. The employees do, what do the employees do about the boss? They complain about him. Every job I've ever worked at besides this one because if the employees complain about the boss, that'd be me to myself, I guess. Uh, every job they complain about the boss. Sometimes it's unfair, it's just the employees are just whatever, there's dumb, I guess. And then sometimes there's legitimacy there. But we've all know, we've all, I think we've all been around healthy leaders and toxic leaders in our life. And we're going to see in this passage what it means to be a healthy leader. Most of us here tonight, most of us are in leadership in some way or shape or form in our lives. Most of us. Um, many here tonight are in multiple areas of leadership, right? Uh, Obviously, if you're a parent, that is clearly a major area of leadership, right? You're, you're a leader over your children. That's a major area of leadership. Some of you here are leaders at work. You hold areas of leadership uh, at your job. Uh, some of you here uh, own your own businesses, you're, so you're over many people. Uh, we've had people in the past that have uh, been active military, I and mean, they were leaders over over uh, many men there in the military. Uh, some people in this room are leaders in ministry. We've been having ministry leader meetings over the past month and a half now uh, with the various uh, different ministry leaders here in the church. And I think, and I'm talking about senior leaders, leader uh, people that are over ministries. I think we have about 30 people in our church that are the senior leaders over ministry. And every, each one of those leaders then have leaders underneath them, right? Like, for example, me, I have my student uh, ministry leadership team, so I'm a leader, but then they are also leaders, all right? So, so many of us here are in areas of leadership. Some of you are leaders at school. I know that, you know, uh, even the kids, uh, you know, you go to school and they start developing leadership even at that young age in their school. And I, I remember I was uh, going around and taking pictures and Victoria did such a good job at posting those online, so thankful for her. Um, but I remember I stepped into one of the kids' classes, and there was a girl in that class, I think she's like 13 years old, and obviously there was a, an adult leader, but she was just like 13 years old, and she was up there leading the class, and I don't know if it was in a song or in a game, but even at the age of 13, she is a leader, Right? Even at that very beginning age, at the age of 13, she is a leader. So, so all of us, this is going to apply to all of us. And I do want to say this. There are some in here that genuinely aren't leaders over anything. Some of the young kids, some of the children. And I will say this. If you can listen in and gear in on the truths of how to be a healthy leader at your young age, you will save yourself from so much heartache, from so much frustrations, 
uh, in life of just making basic leadership mistakes. Um, have, you, have any of you ever learned something and then said to yourself, I wish someone would have taught me this 10, 15 years earlier, right? That's the way I feel about this. Like if you can gear in on this and start learning the characteristics of healthy leadership right now and start implementing those into your life, you're going to be so far ahead in your life. So this series is going to be called Healthy Leadership versus Toxic Leadership. The first part of the book talks about we, we're going to see characteristics of healthy leadership. The second part we're going to see toxic leadership. So I think like the first four to eight lessons is going to be healthy leadership, the last on toxic leadership. So let's go ahead and jump into here now. Third John chapter one, verse one through four. Let's read it one more time. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came to testify of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Now, before I start teaching, I ever start teaching through a passage I believe it is so important to have context of the passage so we have a good idea of what is going on in the book. All right, so we're going to get a little context. We're not going to go over this every single time because hopefully we'll get it down right now. And then next lesson, they'll just build upon each other. But it's really important to get the context of what's happening here. All right, so the author of this book, who do you think the author of this book is? It is John, okay? John is one of Jesus' personal disciples. The Apostle John identifies himself in this book as the elder, as he does also in 2 John. John is likely at this time in the latter part of his life when he is writing this letter. So, you know, I can just see him there as he's, as he's writing this letter, you know, and he's just, he's an, he's an older man now. And uh, maybe he's, obviously the Bible doesn't think uh, say this, so you know, you just kind of imagine it. I, whenever I study through a passage, I like to imagine what's going on at that time. So I can just see him, he's writing this letter, and then he just kind of sits back and, and maybe starts thinking about his life. You know, he's had a long life. A lot of things have happened in his life. And, and maybe he goes, man, it seems like just yesterday I was there cleaning my nets when Jesus came along. And uh, talked to me and my brother, and, and then we started following him. And he, you know, maybe he's like, man, I'm, I wonder what, what, if, what my life would be if I never would have followed Jesus at that time. Wow, oh, it's been, been a crazy, crazy life that I've lived. Um, you know, if it, when, when Jesus called John to be his disciple, it's likely he was only in about his early 20s. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the disciples were young men when Jesus called them to be their disciples, and he was an old man now. And think about John through his life. He has seen, he has seen the greatest of miracles, the highest of highs, and then also he's also seen the lowest of lows, seeing Jesus die on the cross, and then to see the miracles that even happened with the resurrection, but then the persecution of the church. Just think about how his life has just, uh, the way his life has been. You know, many of his friends have died. Many of his close companions have been murdered, have been put to death for the cause of Christ. And um, he's not the same man as he was when Jesus called him all those years ago. He's a different man now, more mature. Um, you know, we've seen a lot in his life. And think about it. John, at this time, he's one of the big 12, right? 
I mean, think about Christianity, how it is growing and how it is spreading. John's one of the big ones. He was Jesus' personal disciple. All right, so, so, so that's the author. That's what's going on. That's who's writing this book, all right? And now, who is he writing this book to? He's writing it to Gaius. It says it right there. Some people call it Gaius, call it Gaius, tomato, tomato. Okay, so here we have John, and he's writing the letter to Gaius. According to tradition, Gaius was one, uh, the one who John had appointed as the pastor of Pergama. And so think about it this way. Think about pastor. He's, 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 he's worked with me. He's mentored me. Uh, he sends me off to a church to pastor. And now he is continuing that mentorship through correspondence, right? Through writing letters. He's continually to invest in my life because back there, there was no internet, okay? Everybody breathe. You know, imagine a world without the internet. Um, uh, Thank you, Al Gore. So anyways, um, so obviously they couldn't FaceTime each other. They couldn't text each other back and forth. They couldn't call. Uh, they couldn't Skype. Um, they had to write letters. That's how they communicated. That's how they kept in touch with each other. And uh, so that's what's going on here. So God is using John to nurture Gaius. All right. He's using John to lead and to mentor this young man, this young pastor. Um, all right, so that's what's going on. So do we understand the context of what's going on in this passage and, and what's happening here? All right, so, so this is what's going on. So now let's go ahead and jump. This isn't a long book of the Bible. It's only 14, 14 verses, all right? It's a very, very short book of the Bible. But this book is in the Bible for our learning, amen? It is in the Bible for our teaching and training. And, and I can't think of very many times I've heard messages out of 3 John. It's really not, it's one of those books that just doesn't get a lot of love, you know? So I'm excited that we get to study through this book of first, or 3 John. I told you, I'm going to keep saying 1 John. I don't know why. 3 John and see what God has to teach us. All right. Um, now, as we jump into this book of 3 John, this is one thing I love about the Bible. Have you ever read a passage in the Bible or maybe even just a book, maybe a classic, right? There, there are some books that are just classics. I remember being a kid and I never really wanted to read the classics just because everybody was like, oh man, you got to read this book. And you know, it's just that rebellious part of you is like, I'm not going to read that. And then you read one and you're like, oh my word, that book was really good. <laughs> no wonder it's a classic. Um, but you know, you read a book and specifically the Bible. And I remember reading the Bible, especially as a teenager, definitely didn't read it like I should, but the Bible spoke to me in a whole different way when I was a teenager than it did once I got married. Even though they were the same passages, right? You're reading it, but when, as you grow in life and as you develop, you start to see things through a different lens, right? It's the same situation, but you just kind of view it a little differently. Um, you know, you just have different experiences in life. And now the application, even though the passage is the same, the application uh, shifts from being single to being married. And then obviously that shifts again, as you become a parent. And I'm sure, obviously, I'm not a grandparent, uh, but I'm sure as you become a grandparent, you start to see different things throughout the scriptures as you study it. And it just starts to be illuminated in, in a little bit different light. So today, and that's the beauty of the scriptures, right? And that's why the scriptures can span across culture, um, 
thousands of years, the same words, the same teachings, and that's why every generation, every culture, the Bible is just as practical and just as applicable. Amen? So, in this passage, even though there's different lenses to view um, the book of 3 John through, we're going to view it through a leadership lens, okay? We're going to try to read the book of 3 John, and we're going to try to pull out and view some leadership principles in the book of 3 John here. And before, before we really jump into the content, I always like to say this. And that is, we are going to be doing what's called an expository uh, teaching through the book of 3 John. And expository simply means we're going to go verse by verse, unpacking the text, seeing what it has to say. And this is not, and, and I say the same thing to the teens when we're working through a passage. Uh, like we were working on uh, through the life of Joseph and we were doing, uh, part of it was called relational conflicts, right? And we we're teaching about relational conflicts. This is in no way, shape, or form a, a all-encompassing teaching of what the Bible has to say about leadership, okay? I'm sure if we studied through the life of Jesus, there would be different and new leadership principles we would be able to draw. If we studied through the life of David, there would be even more leadership principles. And the life of Joseph, there's even more. So this isn't an all-encompassing teaching on Leadership, this is simply working through a book of the Bible and seeing what this passage has to say about leadership. And it's just just the way I've grown and my personal, uh, the way I like to personally study. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to work through the book, unpack the text, and digest the truths that are in it. All right. Got all of that out of the way. Are we ready to jump into the passage? All right. Okay. Let's dive into 3 John and pull out our first truth, leadership principle from the book of 3 John. One more time, let's read it. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, the elder John, unto this young pastor that he is speaking to, Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. <clears throat> the first principle that we're going to pull out tonight and that we're going to really think about and that we're going to unpack this principle is that healthy leaders intentionally, or excuse me, healthy leaders are intentional about developing healthy leaders. Healthy leaders are intentional about developing healthy leaders. Healthy leaders make developing leaders a priority in their life. Let's remember who John is at this time. Remember, John is one of the disciples, right? Obviously, an incredibly gifted man. How much more... What better training can, can somebody have on their resume than to say, I studied under uh, God <laughs> personally, right? You don't get much higher qualifications than studying, being a student, a personal student of Jesus Christ himself. Obviously, we're all students of God and Jesus through the scriptures, but I mean, not for three years rubbing shoulders, eating dinner, sleeping beside him. You know what I'm saying? This is John. 
He's one of the big ones. He's one of the big 12. I mean, imagine Christianity today. And, and of, of all Christianity, there was only like 10 or 12 primary leaders of Christianity. I mean, that, the gospel preaching Christianity in the entire world. And then of all of those 10 or 12, most of them have died. And there's only a few left. Do you think that would be kind of a big deal, guy? And this, yeah, it'd be like, whoa, that's, that's John, man. That's, that was one of Jesus' personal disciples, you know? I mean, he was it. So this is where John is at this time. One of the, original, one of the only original disciples left, author of five New Testament books. John was the one who was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, of all the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. This guy was a big deal. But John had to grapple with a reality that I think we all have to grapple with. And I think as we grow older, um, we have to grapple with this reality more significantly than when we were younger. I remember being a teenager, and you legitimately think you're bulletproof. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember going snowboarding, going over jumps, crashing hard, and you know what you did? You jump back up and you got at it again. It's like it didn't even phase you. You're going down that hill on a snowboard and you smash into a tree and you it rung your bell and you got up and you're like, oh man, oh man, you grab your gloves, put them back on. You're like, radical, man. You head back down the hill. Okay, I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't do that today. You know what I mean? If I was going down the hill and ran into a tree, I'm, the snowmobile medic people are coming to pick me up. And I remember the last time, it was a few years ago, and I went snowboarding. Oh, buddy, I, I wiped out so hard. I was like, whew, this just is not as much fun as I used to remember it being when I was younger. And as you get older, you have to grapple with the fact that you're not going to last forever, Right? You start to grapple with the fact that you are mortal. <laughs> uh, I think you start grappling with that, like I said, once you start getting hurt and you just don't bounce back as, as quickly. And I know the older you get, the slower, you know, the, the more time it takes to bounce back. But he knew he wasn't going to last forever. And remember, John is older at this time. And we don't know exactly how old, but definitely an older man. And... There's going to come a time where he could no longer serve this Jesus whom he loved. This Jesus who he has given his life to, who he, who he has given everything to. There was going to come a time where he just wasn't going to be able to do it anymore. Whether, and he didn't know. He's like, will I be, you know, uh, killed? Like so many of my dear, dear friends. If I'm not, he, he, you know, he knew there's just going to come a time, whether it's with health. And the very nature of growing old, he just wasn't going to be able to do it anymore. He wasn't going to be able to do any more for this Jesus. Whether age and health limitations, eventually he was going to die. And John knew, he knew he had to reproduce himself in the lives of other people. In order for Christianity to go on, in order for the gospel to go on, John knew he had to reproduce himself in the lives of others, as Jesus had done to him. And Gaius, here in this book, Gaius is one of those young men. 
We don't know all of them. I'm sure there was many more that he was investing in. But we know here, one of those is Gaius, one of the young pastors that he was personally investing in. Healthy leaders are intentional about developing other leaders. We see clearly throughout the scriptures what happens when leaders are intentional, specifically healthy leaders, godly leaders, are intentional about developing other godly leaders. We see what happens. We also see what happens when, that, when, when a leader fails to reproduce himself in the life of another man and doesn't. Let's think, think first of, of Moses. What an incredible leader. And you know, this is something else I love about leaders throughout the, the Bible, especially the Old Testament. They were not perfect men. Amen? They were not perfect. They, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about toxic leadership. Um, but they, they had many faults, many failures, many screw-ups. Um, and uh, Moses was no exception if you study the life of Joseph. But, but Moses became, into a, became a great leader. Great leader. Brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And who did Moses mentor and develop to replace him? Joshua. A man by the name of Joshua. And he was intentional about developing and leading Joshua. And after his passing, you know what Joshua did? He took up the mantle. He took up the cause of his mentor and carried the nation of Israel forward. And he served God just like Moses did before him. Unfortunately, jo uh, Joshua, we don't have a record really of him being that intentional about developing other godly leaders underneath him. Specifically like one to rise up. And once he, he passed... The children of Israel fell into a bit of chaos, to be honest with you. The book of Judges, uh, it records Israel's total failure after the life of Joshua. It's an incredibly violent and corrupt, and eventually they became no different than the Canaanites, all right, the, the enemies of Israel. Judges were set up over the different tribes, and, and through the progression of the book, this is kind of how Israel, you know, Joshua passes off the scene, and they go from, from good to pretty good, to just okay, to ugh, they're starting to get a little rough, to bad, to totally out of control. That's kind of the progression as you, you go through the, the book of Judges, just totally terrible. <laughs> but what happens when leaders, and we'll, we'll look at scriptural examples here, what happens when leaders are intentional and, and purposeful and really make it a priority to develop other godly leaders. I don't think there's a greater illustration of this in the scriptures than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus knew that his time here on earth was temporary, right? Obviously, it was more temporary than most of us. I mean, Jesus' entire ministry spanned roughly three years. Hopefully, you know, we, we would all like to think that our, our time on our, our ministry and our time of leading will span a little longer than that. But Jesus knew that his time was short and he made it his primary mission to develop his disciples. Obviously, Jesus' ultimate mission was to come and to die on the cross and take the penalty for uh, the whole world and, and really the whole redemptive, the redemptive narrative throughout all of Scripture accumulated in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But think about 
all the things that Jesus did while he was here on earth, specifically during his three years of ministry that is recorded for us, who was he always with and leading and mentoring? His disciples. It, he, he spent more time mentoring and developing his disciples than he did doing anything else on his ministry here on earth. Not only that, but he taught his disciples how to reproduce themselves in the lives of others. And you know, um, if you read through the Gospels, you can see him doing it over and over again. You know, the disciples, they say some stupid things. They had some dumb ideas in their head. And you constantly see Jesus and his patience mentoring them and leading them and guiding them and challenging their thoughts and growing them personally. Now, I kind of mentioned this before, and, and I was studying this out, and there's not a lot of information on the topic, so we can only guesstimate. But these disciples were not old, seasoned men, okay? I know a lot of times, for me personally, when I think of the disciples, I think of, like, guys in their late 30s, early 40s, right? I mean, mature guys that are just, you know, they've they got some experience. But we don't know how old the disciples were, because the Bible doesn't exactly say. However... You know, when I was studying this out at that time, typically a master, uh, people didn't serve underneath masters that were younger than them, right, in this culture. So, um, you know, not only that, I mean, really, when in any culture does, the, you know, like the, the older really serve underneath the younger, that's, that's just, it's, it's, it is unusual. And that's very difficult for an older man to be able to be mentored by a younger man. Typically it doesn't happen. So, Jesus is only 30 at this time. And so think about it. These disciples probably were, if you look, and I'm not going to get onto it, but were probably between the ages of 16 and 29, where it was the age of these disciples. For, for the sake of just guesstimate, we'll say low to mid to upper 20s. So think about that. And this doesn't really have any relevance to the lesson. I just thought it was a really cool fact to just think about, especially in leadership, is that God chose guys in their 20s to, with the most important mission on earth of carrying forth the gospel. That's powerful. You know, I, I, was, I mentioned it to Johnny last night. Johnny, stand up. Stand up, Johnny. Josiah, you stand up too. Sorry, let's call you out. The disciples were these guys' age, right? Seth, stand up. Look at that, right there, Seth, Judas. No, I'm just kidding. You guys can sit down. But we typically don't think of the disciples being so young, right? Jesus was mentoring these young men, and God himself entrusted 20-year-olds with the most important mission to ever the world has ever seen. I think it's just a cool thing to think about. Paul, so we see Jesus was intentional about de uh, developing leaders. Paul was also intentional about developing leaders. Very intentional. Uh, there's a great book, and I was listening to a podcast with the author, and he was talking about Paul, and it's, it's all about leadership and the life of Paul. As he studied through the life of Paul and did a leader, he wrote a leadership book. i got to get it. It was so good. But Paul constantly had people with him developing them. Always. Paul always had companions that he was mentoring and developing. He was constantly training and, 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 and teaching them and, and, and bringing them places. And, and, um, and how, do we, how do we know that? 
Because most of the people that traveled with Paul became great leaders in the early church. Most of them. Have you ever heard of the name Barnabas? Right? Silas. Silas was one of the two prophets who encouraged the faithful at Antioch. We have Timothy, obviously. Oh, Timothy. Love Timothy. Became a great pastor. Luke, John, Mark. The list could go on and on. Paul was an incredible leader. And, you know, as you look through the life of Paul, too, he spent much time working in teams, teams of people, put, putting people here, developing this guy here, and sending him off there. And just really, he wasn't just traveling around preaching the gospel, although that was what he was doing. He was always intentionally teaching other people how to do that, developing them, mentoring them. I think about in the Old Testament, I think about Elijah. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets uh, in the scripture, Elijah was intentional about developing a man by the name, a young man by the name of Elisha. I know, you always, I always got those mixed up. I still do sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Elijah was one of the greatest prophets. We have seven incredible miracles performed by him. He was bold, he was strong, he was courageous, and he made it a priority to mentor this younger man named Elisha. And uh, here's what's really cool, actually, is that Elijah mentored Elisha, and Elisha took up the mantle, quite literally, took up the mantle of Elijah and became twice as great as his mentor, twice as great as the man who mentored him. So as Elijah has seven incredible miracles, Elisha has 14 incredible miracles recorded throughout Scripture. And... Um, did just an incredible job at confronting the, the kings on their idolatry and their sin and calling the nation back to Jehovah God. And then obviously we have this passage here of John mentoring Gaius. Healthy leaders are intentional about developing healthy leaders. So in application, let's ask ourselves these questions here. Now that we understand the principle, who are you investing in? Who are you investing your life in? Parents, are you mentoring, training, investing in your children? This is the greatest calling in life. And what a tragedy to, to have kids leave and to think back over your life and to just say, I, I just missed so many opportunities to disciple my children, to train, to mentor, to lead them. Grandparents. Are you mentoring and leading and training your grandchildren? That's, your, that's one of your greatest callings right now in life. Church leaders, who are you mentoring? We have 30 plus church leaders here at Fellowship Baptist. In the small church, we have so many leaders. And then underneath them, they have leaders. Who are you training to replace you? Who are you mentoring? Just in personally investing your life in. You know, maybe you're an employee. Who are you investing in at work? This can cross even spiritual boundaries into practical everyday boundaries. At work, who are you training and mentoring and developing that's under your leadership? And then I think the most important question is Christian. Who are you mentoring and leading spiritually? Who are you investing in spiritually? Who are you discipling? Who are you walking alongside of in life and just being there for? 
Who are you helping grow deeper in their faith? Before we end, I want to ask ourselves a couple questions here and ask ourselves, why don't people reproduce themselves in the lives of others? Why don't they? Obviously, I don't know all the reasons. I'm sure there could be a thousand, but these were just some that kind of popped into my head on why people don't reproduce themselves in the lives of other people. The first, I think, could be pride. People say things like this. Nobody will ever be able to do it as well as I can. Right? A lot of times, leaders fail to reproduce and to really develop the people underneath them because they just don't trust them. They just don't think people are going to do as good as they're going to do. Really, which is pride, right? I'll just do it all myself. I just, I just can't trust anybody. I know one person that I can depend on, and that's this guy, right? And just kind of maybe just a little bit overinflated sense of self-worth. You know, first off, Somebody else can do it because you can do it, right? And there had to be a time where somebody else maybe said that and then you came into that area of leadership. And people keep dying and people keep being born and the world keeps turning on and the gospel keeps going forward, right? And the church keeps going forward. So somehow God is still doing it. So some people don't develop people because of pride. Some people don't develop other people because of personal insecurities, they, they say things like, if I teach people everything that I know, then people won't need me anymore. That's a legitimate concern some people have. They're afraid if I just give out all the knowledge I have, then what, why would I still be here? So they kind of always hoard a little bit of that just to feel needed, right? Just so they, they feel like, you know, I, just, I don't want to be out of a job, so I just can't teach other people. If I replace myself, I just, there won't be anything left for me to do. You know, they're, they're insecure about their own self-worth and, and therefore they need to feel needed. Here's the irony about that, is that the people that give away their knowledge and, and, and constantly are investing in other people become the most valuable people, right? People that are generous with their knowledge and, and always trying to build other people up actually become, instead of them becoming irrelevant, they become the most relevant, the most important. I'll prove it to you. I want you to think about somebody in your life that you have the utmost respect for. Somebody that you love, and I, uh, somebody that, you know, you just, they're just giants in your mind. I guarantee you that person has invested in you personally with no agenda, with no ulterior motive, and their only desire was to see you become better. Not to get anything out of you, they just genuinely wanted to see you become better. And that person is very valuable to you. It doesn't, you don't really care about how much they know, or you're like, oh, well, you don't have nothing left to teach me. You just, the fact that they love you and mentored you and developed you, and they're, they're that important to you. So some people, they don't develop other people because of pride, some people because of insecurities. And then some people, they don't develop other people just because of own self-ambition. They're just too focused on their own goals, their own success, their own ambitions, and they, they literally just don't have time to develop other people, right? They, they don't have time because they just got too much that they're doing for themselves. You know, it's my career. 
You know, there's the classic examples of, and I've seen it, parents that are just so wrapped up in their career, and before they know it, their kids are gone, and they never spend any time with their kids. And then it's like, wow, we got a nice house, and we have all these things, and horrible relationships with our children. And they're like, man, I'd trade it all. If I could go back, just... Mentoring takes time. Mentoring takes self-sacrifice. Mentoring takes patience. It does. People aren't going to get it. Think about how patient Jesus was with the disciples. And how, how many boneheaded things they did over and over again. And he just loved them and corrected them, rebuked them, loved them, and brought them along. Mentoring takes money. Mentoring takes personal investment. Some people just don't have the time to invest because they're so busy investing in themselves. And then lastly, like I said, I know there's a lot of reasons, but lastly, I think some people just don't develop other people because they just don't, have never been taught. They just don't know how. They don't even know what that means. You know, they never experienced in their life. Nobody really mentored or developed them. So they just don't really know how to do it. Um, you know, they, their mindset is, hey, I figured it out by myself, you know. I guess that's what they do, right? They figure it out by themselves. That's how you become a leader. And they just kind of think that's how it worked. But here's a sobering reality check. We are all in temporary positions in our life. Pastor is our pastor temporarily. I don't know if you knew that or not. I'm here temporarily. You are a parent temporarily. You will not be a parent forever. We work at our jobs temporarily, right? And that's, I mean, sometimes you work a job, you think you're going to be there the rest of your life, and then all of a sudden, boom, the ax comes down. Or, you know, then you just realize, I can't provide for my family with this job, and you got to move on. And we're at churches temporarily. You know, I remember growing up and just thinking that the people at the church would never leave. You know, it's just, these are the family. Are you kidding me? Like, I can't even imagine life without them. And boy, I tell you what, even today, you look at our church on a Sunday morning compared to six years ago. I mean, we don't notice it because it happens gradually. But I'm telling you, if we took a picture, and I've been going through pictures, actually, of the past 20 years and just kind of archiving all of the Fellowship Baptist Church pictures, and I'm like, wow, I totally forgot that person was even part of our church, (laughs) you know, from like, especially way back when I totally forgot I knew that person. (laughs) But we're here at church temporarily. We're here on earth temporarily. We're all here on a temporary basis. You are a follower of Jesus on earth temporarily, right? We have to be intentional about mentoring, developing, and investing in others. Listen, I'm not talking about making carbon copies of ourselves. All right, believe me, if there's anybody that despises that, it's me, okay? That's not, that is not mentoring and developing. That is forcibly stamping out what you want people to be. That's, that's just not mentoring, okay? Even Jesus, he used all of his disciples and their own giftedness and ability and their own character, and he allowed them to use that for the furtherance of the gospel. But we have, but, but if we are not intentional about developing other people, 
we are not being wise stewards with what God has given us. Amen? You are not being a wise steward as a parent if you are not intentionally developing your children. God has given you those treasures. We are not being wise stewards with what God has given us here at Fellowship Baptist Church if we are not investing and mentoring the next generation. We are putting future leaders at a disadvantage in their leadership if we do not train and mentor them. And I'm telling you, if you do not lead and mentor those beneath you and you just don't take the time or investment, I am telling you, somebody will. And you will not have any control over who that is. People want to learn. I don't care who it is, children, adults, whoever. They want to learn. They want people want to grow and get better. And somebody is going to mentor them. And if you're not intentional about it, that mentor might be friends. There are kids who their mentors are their friends. Those are the people training and developing them. It might be YouTube, right? It might be video games. It might be television. If you do not, if you are not intentional about mentoring, somebody is going to be intentional about it. And listen, I'm not, the grace of God is great, right? God can have those people get connected with incredible other mentors that can lead and guide them. But why? why? Why take that risk? Right? God's given them to you for a purpose. We need to be intentional about mentoring them. Who are you investing in? Who do you need to do a better job at investing in? Who do you need to reproduce yourself in with no agenda, no ulterior motives, not to get something out of them, but just genuinely wanting the best for them in their life? Amen. Who are you discipling? Who can you start reproducing yourself in today? And I think there's no better way to wrap it up than to say this is the ultimate goal of the gospel. is for people like you and me who know the gospel, who are now leaders as Christians to reproduce ourselves in the lives of other people that don't know the gospel. You reproduce yourself. Lead other people to Christ. Disciple them. Baptize them. Train them to lead other people to Christ. To disciple, to baptize. That's the way God, God built Christianity, the gospel. He built it off, all, off a mentoring, discipling structure. That's the way God created it to work. Who are you doing that for in your life? Healthy leaders, godly leaders, develop healthy leaders. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.